0: Thank you for coming out this evening. Uh, It's been kind of a rainy day, but uh, nonetheless, we are here and the Lord is still on his throne and his son is still ruling in our hearts. And I am just tickled pink to have my friend Dave Harris here with us. Dave and I met a few years ago at a CMC event. You said the first time you were in CMC was here, so it's probably when we met. And uh, we've got to connect over the years at different CMC events. And so I'm just thrilled to have him here. He's from near the Orlando area. I can't say the name of the town, but he's, say it again. Houston right, Eustis. All right. If you've ever been through there, I haven't been there, um, but that's where he's from. And so uh, we're excited to have him here. So he's going to be here tonight, uh, tomorrow night again at seven o'clock, and then back here on Sunday morning. Uh, if you have friends that aren't able to be here tonight uh, and wish they could have been, we are recording these. And so you can uh, ask later. We'll figure out where those recordings are at. So Dave, come on over, let me pray for you, and then um, we'll turn the time over to you. Father God, I just thank you uh, for my brother Dave. I thank you for His love for you, I thank you that you have called him into ministry, you've called him into being a husband and a father, uh, and into pastoral ministry, into ministry at the school where he serves, and I pray tonight as he serves us here, uh, that he would honor you and glorify you with what he shares, and that we would learn from it and profit from it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. All right. Okay. All right. Good evening. How y'all doing? First of all, I just want to just thank my Heavenly Father just for this opportunity just to come here and speak with you all today. It's only by His grace that I'm able to be here, and I'm just thankful that He's using me as a vessel to be able to bring a message um, straight from Him. And I just want to just thank Pastor Otto, uh, Pastor Sean, the shepherd of this house, for allowing me. This has been in the making since, I believe, February or March. (laughs) And, uh, it's finally here. I'm just thankful. Thankful to be here. So before I get started, I just want to just talk a little bit about my church um, and and where we're, where we're from. Um, it's actually, we live in Eustis, but it's a place called Taveris. If you're familiar with Lake County, anybody familiar with Lake County? No? Okay, one person. All right, cool. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Um, and it's called Faith Christian Fellowship. Before I get started with that, I just want to just... So just thankful that my wife and my son is here. My wife is 17 years, um, Anna, and uh, my son, Emmanuel. He's seven, um, about to turn eight, going on 38. If you know anything about that, you know, as a kid that believes he knows everything, that's okay. <laughs> but uh, my wife, such a virtuous woman, and uh, it's just a blessing to be married to her. And then my son, um, I just can't wait to see what God's going to be doing in his life as he gets older. He's, he's, he's definitely a firecracker, and there's definitely a fire in him. <laughs> so I can't wait to look forward to that. Um, our Faith Christian Fellowship is underneath uh, Pastor Bobby. I call him Buddy. Everybody calls him Buddy, Buddy Walker. And uh, how that happened was that um, Faith Christian Fellowship, um, they needed a pastor. And we had come, I had come following him from another church, church and we had merged together. And uh, we became part of the CMC. So we've been part of the CMC uh, family for the past five years. It's truly been a blessing. As Pastor Sean said, I came here for my very first pastoral uh, conference, and you guys were truly a blessing, very hospitable, and I was very thankful. I was like, you know, this is definitely where we need to be. This is definitely the conference that we need to be in. So just to tell you a little bit about Faith Christian Fellowship, we are in what we call the Tri-City area. The Tri-City area of Eustace, Tavares, and Mount Dora, And I know these names mean nothing to you. It's okay. Um, but Eustace, Mount Dora, and Tavares. And our church is right smack dab in the middle of that area. And uh, we are able to minister to four specific, oops, four specific areas. And those areas are, there's two subdivisions that are right in front of us. And right next to us is a senior citizen's living area. It's a, apartments. And then to, adjacent to us Um, is a whole set of lower socioeconomic background type of homes that stretch for miles. Um, I'm an associate pastor of one of four, one of four associate pastors, um, including uh, Pastor Buddy, who I told you about. Um, Just to let you know about our pastoral team, we're a pretty diverse team. Uh, Of course, me being African-American, we have also a biracial pastor, and then we have two two uh, Caucasian-American pastors as well. Um, our pastor was given a vision when we first came to that church, and it was to pastor a community. How do you pastor a community? And the model that he came with, that he felt that the Lord had given him, is to, is to have, is to pretty much show people what heaven looks like, and as to have a multi ethnic congregation. And our congregation is pretty much made up; of, we're very diverse. Um, um, of African-Americans, uh, Caucasian-Americans. We had Hispanics. Um, we even had Filipino at one point. And uh, so we were pretty diverse at one time. And what we wanted to show that community is how we could come together um, and how we could fellowship and worship God. Because unfortunately, especially in the area that we're at, um, Sundays is, seems to be probably the most segregated time where people tend to worship with with people that look similar to them and there is no diversity when it comes to things like that. So we're like the kind of the first church in our area that's that's actually doing that. Um, Our church is known in our area for having something called the Victory Garden. And so what we have is that we have two gardens um, that our church is responsible for. Our pastor just happens to be a green thumb. Um, If you ask me anything about that, that agriculture and being a green thumb, I can't tell you anything about it. But he knows everything about it. And so what we do is that we service the community from that. And 100% of our produce goes to our food drives. And our food drives is, uh, one, the first Saturday of each month. And we actually have two places that we run our food drives out of. We have at our church the first Saturday of each month, and then we have the second and fourth Fridays um, at a more uh, of a place in a socioeconomical area in Eustace. And so... It's, it's truly a blessing to do that because what we have is, is because of the pandemic, it pushed us to have um, a drive-through service. And what happens is people will come through in their cars and we're filling up their car because we're working with a local food pantry called Lake Cares. And we are filling up their car with all this type of food for the month. But then we also get to pray with them. We also get to minister to them. We also get to give them, give them an encouraging word. So that's been a blessing to us. I'm excited to announce that recently we started something called Prayer Walks. And with Prayer Walks, what we do is that we are pretty much walking the communities that we're at. We get up at early in the morning, 7, 7.30 in the morning, and on, set, on the third Saturday of each month, and we walk through the communities, and we're just asking for God's hand to be upon that community, for their hearts to be open to receive the gospel, um, for us to be able to have an avenue, uh, be able to get into that community, and really be able to, to, to build relationships with people and encourage the people there. Um, how many of y'all know that, that, that Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations, amen, um, to baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit? And how many of y'all know that Jesus had a mobile ministry? So... <laughs> He went to the people, and so we have that opportunity to also do that. Okay, so the message for today is called Identity Crisis, and I, and I encourage you all to come back. I, tomorrow I'm going to preach about divine justice, and then um, Sunday I'm going to wrap up with what everything's built around, and that's relationships, building relationships. So today I'm going to talk about Identity Crisis. I have a question for you. What defines you? what defines you. Now, I think I believe that sometimes people get caught up in the external things that define them, such as their jobs, such as the, the, the type of money that they make in finances, such as sometimes their culture and their ethnicities and things like that. And I think that sometimes people pretty much miss the point of who they truly are. If you belong to Christ Jesus, there's more. There's more to this life than, 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 than what we believe. How many of y'all know that we are overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony? So what I want to start with, with this identity crisis, because you're probably wondering, why is it called identity crisis? I'm, I'm going to start with identity crisis, and I'm going to talk a little bit about me. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you a little bit about my testimony that's going to add, and I'm going to explain the reason why I'm going to start with me and how this, how this applies to us. And how this applies to to the society and the the constant things that we're seeing that are not right in the communities right now. So, identity crisis. So, let me just first talk about me. I was born in Queens, New York. Any New Yorkers in here? No? Okay. All right. Queens, New York. (laughs) And uh, I was actually raised the first eight years of my life in Brooklyn, so... Um, Unfortunately, it's only the first eight years of my life, so I can't count myself as a Brooklynite. I'm not a Brooklynite. I am a Floridian because we moved down here in the late 80s. My parents raised me in a Christian Missionary Alliance Church, if you're familiar with that. Um, My parents were originally from Trinidad and Tobago and Barbados, the West Indies. And so I'm first-generation West Indian. And so my, my brother and sister, I have three of us. I'm, I'm the baby. I'm the last of, of three. Um, and I've been born to a family of musicians, musicians and singers. My, my dad is an organ player. He was a church organ player. Uh, he was a church pianist. His brother, my uncle, was also an organist and a pianist. And then when I looked at my mom's side of the family, everybody, everybody, all singers, musicians. Matter of fact, during my grandma's funeral, which was my mom's mother, we literally had enough cousins and, 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 and aunts and uncles to actually come together to form an actual choir and a full band. <laughs> and we were able to sing my grandma up as she went to be with the Lord. And it was awesome. When we first, we, we, uh, my, my, dad, my dad is an electrician, and my mom was a registered nurse up in New York, and they've always vacationed in Florida. And so they decided that they wanted to move to Florida after some situations that happened in New York. Um, and so we actually looked first, I was telling Pastor Sean, at, at Sarasota. Sarasota was actually the place that my mom and dad originally wanted to move, but for some reason we found this place called Eustis. And... Um, I didn't even know how to spell Eustace. Um, I thought maybe it started with a U. It doesn't. It starts with the E. Imagine that, right? Eustace, E-U-S-T-I-S, Eustace. <laughs> and I asked my dad, you know, a few years later, I said, Dad, how in the world did we move from Brooklyn to Eustace? I mean, did you just circle the map and just say, here's where we're going to go? And so, no, that wasn't the case. We had a nice house that he saw, and he's like, you know, I want to live here. So I said, all right, that's great. So we lived in a upper middle class type of area. So couple things that we learned um, that that I learned about when when we moved here. Um, First of all, in Brooklyn where we were, it was a very diverse area. It was a very diverse area. My public school was very diverse. Uh, Even though I lived on a West Indian block where you had a lot of Jamaicans and Trinidadians and Barbadians that lived in that area, when I went to school in the area and the blocks around us, it was very diverse. So we came down to Florida and really didn't know what to expect. That was about my son's age, about a year older than him. And I noticed something, first of all. Um, The area where I moved, (laughs) it wasn't diverse. And uh, it was predominantly white, white Americans. So we came down here, and I, I, I made a lot of friends with the kids in the neighborhood, but I would hear comments from their parents as I'm going to, 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 to make friends and go out and play with, with, with my buddies, and I would hear comments like, why are they living in this area? They need to be living with their own people or on the other side. And then I would go to school... And I would have people, African-American kids, come and talk to me and say, so where do you live? I live over here. Why do you live over there? What do you mean, why do I live over there? Because I live over there. That's where I live. That's where my parents picked the house. Uh, you don't need to be living over there. You need to be living with us. Okay. Um, so at that particular time in my life, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, what, 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 what is this? It seems like if we, they were a lot more segregated than I expected. And so... We couldn't find a Christian Missionary Alliance Church at the time, so we decided to go to a Southern Baptist church. So my grandmother, my dad's mother, decided to move with us from New York, and so she was living with us. So she came with us and attended that church with us. Well, they were really nice people, Um, but unfortunately, the senior citizens, where, where, where my grandmother used to go and attend the senior citizens ministry, they would ask her, wouldn't you, feel a little bit more comp- uh, wouldn't you feel a little bit more comfortable if you went and went to that church over there with, with your people? And grandma, grandma was like, what, what, what do you mean? Um, and then so that happened quite a few times to her, and she would let us know, and she ended up leaving that church. She said, you know what, I'm not going to keep on taking this. I'm just going to go and find another church. It wasn't happening to us, so we decided to stay. And so we stayed in that church. And again, all of this is part, uh, again, I'm not, I'm not going to dwell on a little bit of my testimony, but I'm going to tell you how this, I, all this comes together for this, identi- this thing I call the identity crisis. So as I'm going to school in elementary and middle school, I was kind of the oddball. I was the outlier. I was the, I, was, I was the kid that had a strong New York accent, and when I went, th- when I went to talk to people, they're like, y- you know, you talk funny. And I'm like, well, w- well you talk funny. <laughs> so what do you mean I talk funny? You talk funny. I can't understand anything you're saying. <laughs> they, they would say stuff like, hey, I finna go down to the store. I'm like, what, what do you, what, what, what's finna? <laughs> what, what, what's, uh, and then somebody said, well, I'm a fixing to go do this. Like, what, what, what's fixing? Does that mean you're about to do that? And they're like, nah, I finna go to the store. I'm like, okay, all right, sure. Um, and so in elementary and middle school, I was uh, a pretty good student. And, um, and, and I was in, in well, elementary school, I was kind of, I was put in classes that were below average. So when I got to middle school, I fought tooth and nail. And I would talk to my assistant principal, who happened to be my baseball coach, and I would tell him, I said, listen, I really want to be placed in the upper level classes. I just think that this stuff is it's not challenging. It's not, it's not good for me. And I had to fight tooth and nail to get in those classes because they didn't, For some reason, they just didn't feel that I needed to be up in there. So when I actually got up into those classes, I looked around. I recognized that I'm the only one that looks like me. And I said, oh, well, maybe that's the reason why. Um, So I was one of two African-American boys, black males, um, that were in advanced classes in middle school. And then in high school, I was the only one from my class. That was in advanced classes in high school. So all these things, I didn't really have, I had friends, but I didn't really have too many close friends, but I had so many things coming at me with, with where I would go into stores and I would get racially profiled and I would, people would look at me a certain way and, and, and I wouldn't, couldn't understand it. I would talk to my dad and dad's just like, yeah, 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 don't worry about it. Just, just keep doing your thing, man. Don't, don't worry about that. God's got you. I was like, yeah, Dad, but this is some serious stuff. I mean, I'm going different places, and people are looking at me funny. I, I, I don't understand why they're looking at me funny. And my mom you know, mom always try, you know, you know mothers. Mothers always try to comfort you and say, it's okay, baby. Yeah, it's all right. You're going to grow out of this. It, don't worry. You're going to be able to move forward. But the problem with me at that time is that I was looking too much at the things that were around me. And so what I started to do was that I started to put what defined me into all of these things. And how many of y'all know that we are not defined by the things that are around us? We are defined by who God says that we are. And at that time, I didn't really quite understand that. So if you have your Bibles, I would like for you to go with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. First Peter chapter two verses one through ten. When you get there, say Amen. 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 First Peter chapter two verses one through ten it says, "Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice." In all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house But now you are people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So here's my question to the church. Do you recognize who you are? Or better question, do you know what your true identity is? So there are three points that I, that I want to draw from this passage. Point number one, as it says, our identity is not based off of this world. In the past few months, my son and I have been getting into Star Wars. And uh, it's funny that when you, when you grow up watching Star Wars, you don't really see a lot of things. But as an adult, I decided, you know what, I, I, I want to go ahead and give this a shot. I want to get my son and I'm a sci-fi guy. I won't want my son to get into this as well. But I, I warned him ahead of time. I said, son, you know, that first one, it might put you to sleep. So I went and we started watching the first one. And uh, sure enough, I fell asleep. But he was glued to the TV. And then as it was done, he woke me up. He's like, all right, Dad, let's go to episode two. I was like, huh? Episode two? I was like, no, 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 no. Let's slow our roll with that one. So slow down. Let's slow down. We can watch it next week. And I'm, t- I'm telling him, as we're watching this, there's a, a specific phrase that he just loves to repeat. He loves that, and if you, lo- if you love Star Wars, then you'll know what this phrase is. And it says, the force is strong in this one. And so he keeps, all, he keeps on repeating that all the time. Hey, Dad, the force is strong in this one. <laughs> and uh, But what was interesting, one, one thing that I picked up in as an adult watching Star Wars is that I noticed that That whole story was about identity. It was about all these people, whether it was Luke, Anakin, uh, Finn, Ray, all these people were trying to find out who they truly were. They were looking at their external environment to find out who they really were. See, our testimonies are so powerful in how we define ourselves. Me personally, I got caught up in the world because of what all my struggles were that were taking place. And I could go over, I could spend the next two hours telling you about different struggles, but that's not what, what I'm here to talk about. I'm here, I'm here to talk about how through these struggles, I was able to find out who I was in Christ. And I was able to be defined by who God says that I was. So as, so, so as I'm going through life, I recognize that this thirst that I'm looking for, I can't find in the world. I can't find this thirst in the world. See, some of us came to Christ at a very early age. Some of us came to Christ as adults. Some of us were so much involved with Christ that they came, probably can't even remember when they got saved. But some of us, were, when they were sinners, were 110% sinners. And they were going 110% in the wrong direction, 100 miles per hour in the wrong direction, like a, like a freight train, and not knowing what direction to go, searching for something that, something that was more. But I thank God for his grace, and I thank God for his mercy. Isn't it awesome to know that we have a God that gives us second chances, and third and fourth and fifth and sixth chances? I remember that when I was 22 years old, I got on my knees, and I asked, and I surrendered everything to God. As that song says, I surrender all. I surrendered all to God, and that was when my life changed. That was when I understood that there was more to this life than the stuff around me that defined my identity, that was trying to define my identity. And I believe that with every believer, there has to be a time where you get one-on-one with God. One-on-one, and you ask God, say, Lord, I surrender all to you. So looking back at verse one on chapter one, it says, therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, and every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it, you may grow in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, so the word here, therefore, which is a conjunction adverb. Sorry, that, but that's a school teacher in me. I, I, forgot, I, I neglected to tell you all that I'm 17 years as an educator. That's my trade. <laughs> so I'm 17 years as an educator, and I'm five years as an assistant principal at, at an elementary school. So therefore means that it's coming in between a cause and effect. That means if you read the scripture from before that, it's talking about being born again. And since we are born again, therefore, rid yourselves of these things. Rid yourselves of these things. In verse 4, it says, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. And I want to emphasize here where it says rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. It says, so I just would like to stop right here just for a second and just give everybody just a word of encouragement when it comes to being precious, precious to God. Now, my wife and I, we've been married for 17 years, and our son... Uh, he is seven, I said going on eight, but for 10 years of our first part of our marriage, we were crying out to God for a child. Ten years later, the Lord blessed us with, 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 with this young man here, and we were so blessed by that that he has no idea. I tell him it all the time, and he's like, yeah, yeah, dad, but I said, son, do you know how precious you are to us? Do you know how awesome you are? Do you know that what a blessing you are, that God has blessed us to be your parents? Yeah, dad. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, One day he's going to get that. (laughs) But the thing is, if we look at our son as being this precious thing, imagine how God looks at us. Imagine how that God looks in each and every one of us, even anything more than we could ever imagine, anything that we could ever fathom about how precious we are to him. And I think with that being said, that says who we are. If God looks at us as being precious, he defines who we are. So there is a Christian psychologist that I just want to read something from him named David Benner. And when I read this, I thought it was, it was right on point with this message. It says, often we feel pressured to define ourselves through our jobs, financial status, successes, appearance, cultures, and what other people say about us and many other means. But what happens to our identity when we experience failure or lose someone's favor? The, found, the very foundation of our identity is shaken and altered, resulting in us hustling to define ourselves by something or someone else. A stable sense of a self cannot fully exist when we place our identity in external things. When circumstances change, our identity constantly changes too. We may receive an overwhelming amount of messages telling us to define ourselves by external measures. But what would it look like to base our identity on the way God sees us? Then then he suggested an identity grounded in God would mean that when we think of who we are, the first thing that would come to mind is our status as someone who is deeply loved by God. Identity is about how God sees us. Amen? Amen. How awesome it is to know that we serve a God who wants us and accepts us. Point number two. Our identity is in Christ Jesus. Our identity is in Christ Jesus. The identity of who we truly are or believe, believe it or not, is nothing to do with our ethnicities. And the reason why I'm going over this and the reason why I'm telling you this is because when we look at society and we look at what's going on in, in, in society, I believe that people have lost sight, especially believers, sometimes non believers, because non believers really have no clue as to what's going on, but sometimes we lose sight of who we truly are, and we get wrapped up in the things around us, and that's what ends up dividing us. That's what divides us. But it's not about our cultural roots. It's about our eternal roots. How many of you all know that the sins of this world is not really us? If you belong to Christ Jesus, and you've given your life to Christ— then the things like anger and rage and and things that that separate us from, from the people that we love sometimes, that really is not us. What is us is the fruits of the Spirit. You see, when we ask for Christ to come into our hearts and the Spirit of God is downloaded into us, the fruits of the Spirit is what is in us. That's who we are. Joy, patience, peace, gentleness, And above all, love. And and I believe that by by that, sometimes we get bogged down in in, in forgetting that. But what we got to do is that we got to put that into practice. If these things are already within us, then we have to practice these things. John 16 verse 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen? When we have fully surrendered to Christ and given our all to him, we are his. We belong to him. The Bible says that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. The new is here. I love that song by Hillsong, and I'm pretty sure you guys know it. It says, I am who you say I am. And it says, who the sun sets free, and that's scripture, who the sun sets free is free indeed. indeed. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. And I believe that that is a game-changer. In society, when we're looking at TV and we see racism and we see things that are happening with people that is just not right, that's just not sitting with us, we have to first understand that what we are seeing is spiritual warfare. It's not flesh against flesh. It's spiritual warfare. It's something that goes deeper underneath the surfaces. These things that people may struggle with, if you belong to Christ— If you have accepted him in your heart, these are things, the fruits of the Spirit are the things that we already have in us. But everything is about our thinking. The Bible says that we are transformed by what? The renewing of our mind, the renewing of our thinking. It's our thinking is what changes us. That means that if you belong to Christ, we can start practicing these things because we are a new creation. We are a new creation in Christ. No longer must we ponder on the sin in our lives. No longer must we try to pull on our own selves to try to get out of a rut. It's already been done for us. The price has already been paid. We just simply have to walk in that. If you look at the word and you look at Jesus and you look at the ministry of Jesus, you would see one thing. Jesus never condemned those who were hurt and those who were lost. No, he condemned those Pharisees, the people who were saying one thing but doing something else behind closed doors, the people who were pointing fingers at people and and saying, oh, you shouldn't be doing this according to the law. No, when it came to the people who were lost and hurt and who were sinners and who knew that they were sinners, that's who Jesus went to. He never condemned them. Our identity is in Christ Jesus. We have to change our thinking. And I believe that we as believers, we have to model that. And we have to go into this society to to try to remind people and encourage people, hey, this, this, this mindset that you have right now, if you belong to Christ, that's not you. This is not you. We are more, when we look at ourselves, it's not about ourselves, it's about more than ourselves. We're part of a bigger picture. We're part of a bigger plan. And, it's, and that's for all people to come to, to Jesus Christ. Point number three: We are more alike than we are different. One of the members at my church recently came to me and said, "Pastor Dave, where did racism start? Where did the Bible did racism start?" Now, I was thinking this in my head. I didn't say anything. But I was thinking this in my head. I said, out of, out of all the pastors here, you decided to come to me and ask me that? <laughs> I, I just don't get it. Don't you know, many people would, would probably think it's probably the Tower of Babel um, and that separated us and, and separated the languages. They were one language, and they were separated, and they've gone to separate ways. But I remember hearing something on TV or reading it somewhere that people justified Slavery, all the way dating back to Noah, the reason why we were able to have slavery and the reason why slavery is biblical. I said, really? Okay. And it said that the curse of Canaan, who was Ham's son, um, because of what Ham had did with his father, and you guys already know the story, I'm sure, that Ham's son, Canaan, would be cursed. And that he would have to serve his brothers or serve uh, serve his his family. But then I did some research on that and I said, well, that doesn't just sit too well with me. And if you do the research, you would know that Ham had four sons. Cush, who represented Ethiopia. Mizraim, who represented Egypt. Put, who represented Libya. And last, Canaan. And Canaan was believed to be the first people in Israel. So the continent of Africa and the Middle East are represented by that. But if you look at Canaan's descendants, Canaan's descendants were people from Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, and Israel. So pretty much what they were saying had no basis. But I believe that if you go all the way back to our roots, our eternal roots, all the way back to the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, you will find out that they were made in the image of God. And if they were made in the image of God, then we are made in the image of God. We are their descendants. We are all of one body. When people say that, hey, this is my brother from another mother. (laughs) I say, no, this is my brother from the same mother. We come from the same. We, are, we have the same roots. We all come from Adam and Eve. We are one race, the human race. We are one people, one body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 14, it says, There is one body, but it has many parts. But all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one Holy Spirit, and so we are formed into one body. And listen to this. Didn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people, we were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is not made of just one part, but it has many parts. My brothers and sisters, this sermon that's a sermon within itself. The fact that with all this separation that we see in these past couple of years of how, unfortunately, the country has divided. And, um, and I see, I remember from, and I'm pretty sure you guys have heard this, but I remember from, 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 from when 9-11 happened. And I remember when 9-11 happened, and everybody remembers exactly where they were when 9-11 happened. But what I do remember most often about 9-11 is what happened the days after 9-11. How I seen people come together as one people, as the American people. As I seen the churches flooded with people. They were looking for answers. Why did this happen? How do I make sense of this? They ran to the church. They ran to the body of believers. They ran into God's house. Many people gave their lives to Christ within those, those next couple of weeks. But that was the awesome thing. And now when I look at things now, it has to sadden. It saddens us. It has to sadden God. The fact that we, some, so many of us are divided. But look at what this scripture says. This scripture says that we are one body. We are one. There's one body, not multiple, not different, baptized with one Holy Spirit So we are formed into one body and given the same spirit. Now, it's also talking here about giftings that contribute to the body of Christ, but it's also talking about the fact that we, yes, yes, we may be so diverse, but don't let that define us. Yes, we may be diverse by our cultures. We may be diverse by the things that we do, but that's not who we are. Who we are is that we are people of God. We are people of one body. And it doesn't matter what we look like, we are unified. We stand together as one body of Christ, one people standing for righteousness. Amen? But I just want to stress from this that it keeps on saying one, one, one. We are one. I don't just have what, I know that I only have one earthly brother and sister, but honestly, I have millions of earthly brothers and sisters, because we are one body. We are one race, the human race. For those who may struggle with identity, understand that there is peace and rest when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And knowing your identity knows, knowing that our identity comes from Jesus Christ is the one thing that I believe is the foundation for what we are constantly seeing on TV and the things that we're like, I can't believe that this happened. I can't believe that this person was treated this way. I can't believe there was injustices happening here. Understand that it, once we know who we are, we can start telling the people of the world who they should be. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we just thank you. And we just praise you today, Lord. God, I just thank you, Father God, that my brothers and sisters in here, Father God, and that we are one body of believers. We are one people underneath you, Lord God. We are unified under the body of Christ, Father God. And I just think that sometimes that gets lost in the translation, Father God. But I thank you, Lord God, that you are reminding us that of today, Father God. I ask for blessings on everyone that's in here, Father God, and everyone that's listening to this message, Father God. And I ask, Father God, that you would show yourself strong in us, Father God. Lord God, just strengthen us, Lord God, to continue to stay unified and to show this world what heaven looks like and what love looks like, Father. Lord, I just ask, Father God, that you would open up doors and opportunities for us to go out, minister your word, minister your gospel, and show love to our brothers and sisters out there who are struggling with their identity, Father God. I thank you, Lord God, that our identity is not in this world, but that our identity is in you. I give you all the honor and praise, Father God, for who you are, And in all this I ask in Jesus' name, amen.